Hey everybody, welcome to The Surviving Culinarian, where we try to give you expert advice on amateur cooking topics. Uh, and I am Zach, and joining me as always, as always, the two times that we've managed to find time to do this is my co-host Geneva. Hello! Uh, so Geneva, how are you doing? We have not been able to do one of these in, in a while, but how's everything going? I- uh, surviving and thriving as always. Good. That's all. All we got to do, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so we are we we are doing a, a recording. If you're listening to this in the future, deep in the uh, uh, the quarantine age, <laughs> so um, that might help you bookmark where we're at, um, and and we might get to talking about some of that stuff a little bit later when we talk about our, our frozen food adventures. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but for now, um, this week we're going to talk about uh, last week we or last week. Jesus, no, that's wrong. Last <laughs> last episode we talked about how to follow a recipe um, and tried to give you some tips for how to do that. One of the f- questions I got or, or feedback was, "Hey, uh, that was all great. Sometimes I don't know what specific words mean." And though obviously we can't cover all of those uh, at once, one of the things I got was like, hey, what does it mean when it says saute? Or what does it mean when it says, you know, uh, bake versus broil or or all that stuff? So we thought we might be able to go over uh, some of the basics today. Um, So there's a couple like main pieces of equipment that you'll use to cook things. And I think the most basic that we can start with is the stovetop. I I will say that one of my absolute like pet peeves, and it doesn't happen often is when people confuse about baking and cooking. Like, I'm sorry, you don't cook a cake, you bake it. (laughs) Yeah. It will. It's one of those things where I understand that, like, when you say, I'm going to cook, you mean you're going to make something, right? But there's for sure a difference between baking and cooking. I'm a horrible baker. I'm so bad at it. (laughs) Um, Not my strongest point, but I've been working on it, so. it's, it's, It's fun to try. I think for me, the thing with baking that kills me is, like, it often takes a really long time and you don't know. No, it's not like when you have something on the stovetop and you're looking at it and you go like, this looks like this is not going to turn out good. <laughs> uh, you, you just put it in the oven and then, yeah. Well, think of it this way. Baking is more of the um, chemistry. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, cooking on the stovetop is more physical science. Right. So, so, so you. sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you, you just need a little bit more like... With baking, you need to be more accurate with your measurements and yeah. Um, yeah. and stuff like that. Not that you're going to cause like an explosion. No, but it's, yes. Hopefully, it, you won't add the wrong two ingredients. <laughs> your it's oven. not that kind of science. <laughs> <laughs> your oven blows up. So, first of all, I guess I'll say I, I have heard for sure people confuse stove and oven, um, which doesn't. It's fine, but just so you know, the stove is the part on top that has the flat surface with the heating elements on it, and then the oven is the big cavity that you put food into and make it hot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the stovetop comes in a couple different varieties. 
Uh, the one that's probably most common and most well known to people <coughs> is the electric. Um, oh yeah, with the, the coils on yeah. top. So electric uh, stovetop uses uh, electrically heated coils, and they can either be exposed. Uh, I'm sure everybody knows what those little coils look like if you've ever been in like an apartment kitchen. That's what most of them have, or it can be a glass top. In which case, it's usually like a black glass top, and you see the coils when they heat up. Um, and that's what I think most people have. It's what I've got right now, uh, and it's fine. <laughs> it's it's okay. it, it's different for everybody. Everybody is more comfortable in uh, working with what they know. Um, I use gas, um, and most restaurants. And, you know, places do use gas as well, mostly because it's clean um, and it's a little bit more efficient in even cooking. Yes. Yeah, so but it's, it's a lot of practice. Like if you're not used to it, you're not going to understand like just how hot a pan can get, it, like how fast. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I was going to kind of ask you is that I know I know electric pretty well, which is that it takes a long time to heat up. Um, if you're boiling like a big pot of water, it can take like 20 minutes. Like it's, it, it can take a long time on, on electric. And then also because of the way the electric coils work, it, they like, they cycle. So it'll like heat up and then turn off and then heat up and then turn off. So you don't get that like even cooking. Um, gas I know is you set it at you know four and then it puts out a specific amount of heat and it continues to do that but it's also faster is that right um, it, depending on what you're cooking like it still takes a little bit for if you are to boil a giant pot of water mm -hmm. um, but a little trick is to put something on top of that pot to maintain that steam and that'll actually kind of help it go a little quicker okay cool so if you have a lid for a pot and you're trying to get water to start boiling a little quicker than just having it like open, put a lid on top of it for a few minutes. The other thing I've been told, like you said, you need a little bit of practice because I know that right now I'll like put oil on, on an electric and turn it on and then I'll dice vegetables while I'm waiting for the oil to heat up or whatever. And I know that that's sort of... The, that kind of stuff you can't do as much with gas because it's it gets ready faster. Is that correct, or am I wrong? <laughs> Is that bullshit? Um, it. I don't know. To me, I I definitely think I haven't worked with an electric in okay quite a while, like a, a good good while, like a few years. Yeah. So I mean, there's also um. So gas, electric, and then there, there's another kind of um, yeah. electric that we use at work. Okay. And that's mostly if we are doing like a party outside of um, the building. Okay. Uh, it, what is it called? What is it called? <laughs> it's, is it induction? Induction. That's, okay. Induction. There we go. And those use a specific kind of metal. Yeah, so induction, I, I just bought an induction stovetop. I have not received it yet, but I bought one. So I did a little bit of research into it. Um, and it uses, it, okay, 
when I was looking for a new stove, I, I had never heard of induction before. Then you, I talked to you about it a little bit, and then I did more mm-hmm. research on it. I was like, oh, so it's like a friggin' science fiction future technology. Because <laughs> what it does is it uses, it creates a magnetic field in the actual cookware you're using. So it's going to heat up the pot itself as opposed to heating up the surface area and then transferring that to the pot. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything I've read about induction is that it's very fast, it's very clean, it's very energy efficient, and that you really got to learn how to use it because I guess uh, I was watching some like comparison videos where it's like, okay, on you know, 20 minutes to heat up this, uh, this pot of water on electric, 10 minutes on gas, and then like three on induction. (laughs) So you really got to be careful, I guess, about that stuff. It's going to go very fast. Yes. But I mean, the drawback is you do have to have specific, uh, utensils and not utensils, pans and pots and stuff like that. Work with like 10 pots. So mm-hmm. if you're curious about this, if you're, if you're curious about uh, whether you could switch to induction, go into your kitchen, grab a fridge magnet, and just see if it sticks to your pots. If it does, you can use that that one with induction. If it doesn't, it can't. And I, I was looking at mine. Most of my, like, little, like, sa- saucepans and, like, soup pans and stuff, or pots, uh, it w- I got to replace those. <laughs> my big... <laughs> My big, like, frying pans and stuff would work, but... I work with um, all stainless steel. Yes, that's the... Um, And, you know, the stainless steel is a little bit more pricey, but in the long run, it's going to last forever. Yeah, I I like stainless Um, steel a lot. And cast iron will work, too, I I believe, so... Oh, good. I didn't know if cast iron would work. Yeah, so... Hmm. Uh, But I think that's like the new age of like technology that's coming into like the culinary world is that they're introducing more induction into places. Yeah, it's it's, Um, from what I understand, it's supposed to be a little bit safer since you're not, um, you know, you're not just making this big like four foot by five foot square of glass hot. You are specifically heating this pan. And also, it, it can uh, because they're they're more like smart technology. Uh, it it'll auto turn itself off if it senses it's too hot and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that's something to look forward to. Um, you can get them now; they're a little pricey, but I would be willing to bet in the next five to ten years that they'll start becoming a lot more common. Um, I think that it may replace the electric. I w- would hope so. I know. The electric can be kind of dangerous. Uh, my, did I tell you what happened to Chili, my little cat, with her electric? <laughs> uh, I turned it off, and it was off for a while, and then she walked on it and burnt her little paws. Uh, <sighs> because Poor they, baby. Because that, that's the other thing about electric versus uh, gases and induction. It stays hot forever. Like, they stay hot for a long time after you turn them off. Um, which can can obviously be a little bit dangerous. So, but yeah, so that's your stove top, and uh, there's a bunch of different types of cooking you do on a stove top. Usually, you're going to be putting a big pan or a pot on there and heating it up. Um, 
One of the most common uh, cooking methods that you're going to see in recipes is saute, uh, which... Well, okay. Hold on a sec. I'm going to... Correct me. As far as types, um, sauteing falls into a... um, So there... Sorry, I'm trying to get my words straight. There are three cooking methods. There's dry heat cooking, there's moist heat, and then there's the common combining cooking So those are the top three methods. Now, sautéing is under one of those three categories. Do you want me to guess? Um, (laughs) So, so, like, even though, yeah, there are a whole bunch of, like, methods, it's better to keep it under, like, the type. Okay. I I didn't Um, know that. Yeah, no, no, no. I I wanted to catch you before you, like, was going to dive into this. Because people may, like, look up... Okay, cooking methods, they're going to see dry heat, moist heat, or accommodation um, in the midst of, like, well, what does this mean? Right. And I think we need to cover what dry heat, moist heat, and the combination before okay. we get to the saute. Um, and it's, it's, it's super simple. It's just understanding, like, how you're cooking it from, like, the basic, like, method. Um, dry heat of course, is without any moisture, no water, no broth, no nothing. Um, and, like, it can get to temperatures of 300 and hotter. So, for example, grilling is uh, a dry heat, or yeah. broiling is a dry heat method. Okay. Um, even roasting. Roasting is also another one. Okay, cool. So, so uh, dry heat, just know you're heating, like, the either the, the element... Uh, and putting it on there, or like the air around it, basically, right? Yeah, okay. it's uh, baking saute f- uh, falls under dry heat. Saute does. Yeah, it does. Okay, even so, even though you're used so so sauteing is you you have a pan, you put a little bit of fat in the bottom, like butter or mm-hmm. oil or um, something else. Well, uh, so the 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 fat and oil, well. Oil and fat, they're essentially the same thing. Okay. Uh, when we use oil, it's just not of animal. Like you're using oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. corn or um, olive. Or olive. It's just a different form of fat that you don't necessarily would get from like if you were to use bacon grease. Right. Okay. So like fat is like animal, animal product and then oil is vegetable or... or- other product okay mm-hmm. uh so like it with sauteing you are using that oil just to not have it necessarily stick to the pan okay so and it, it encourages the browning so it's not being used to transmit the heat it's it's more of like a like a lubricant so that still counts as dry heat yes okay that makes sense um sauteing also like Generally, with sautéing, you're using small pieces of whatever you're using, like um, vegetables or proteins, meats. Uh, So, or like ground beef. It's just a a, a quick method. Yeah, uh, I think when you think of like, you're you're sort of first starting to learn how to, to cook stuff, at least for me. Um, 
yeah, you put your vegetables or meat in a pan with a little bit of fat and you heat them till they're cooked. <laughs> and <Yep. laughs> saute. So I guess I, I looked it up. Saute is from French uh, saute, meaning jumped or bounced in reference mm-hmm. to tossing while cooking. Because yeah, you typically want to move it around while it's while it's cooking so that it won't uh, won't stick to the bottom or burn. Um, yep. And yeah, that's. Most of my vegetables for a long time, browning meat, all that stuff, saute it. Um, now, there's also pan frying, which I'm going to tell you, I I feel like I see that sometimes, and I don't know what the difference between that and saute is, really. Okay, so sauteing uh, falls under the moist heating method. Or dry right? pan fry. Uh, yes, pan fry is different from sautéing. Sautéing is dry, um, pan frying is moist. And what that essentially means is that, like, say you want to do chicken. Okay. You want to pan fry chicken. Uh, you're using large pieces of meat. Okay. They're not cut. They're not anything. You're large pieces or even large, like like mushrooms or something like that if you wanted to do something more vegetarian style. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. My voice is a little raspy right now. Oh, that's okay. Uh, so with the moist heating, typically you want to have like um, your pan. It, it can be a shallow pan, but you're putting more liquid in it. Um, for example, if you were to do like the other day, I, I did... Um, Uh, beer battered fish so i had to fry it because i made uh, a beer batter and um i had about my pan halfway full of uh oil and then you have it cook on a a lower heat than a saute okay yeah because you want to get that temperature up but at the same time you don't want to burn Whatever you're gonna put into that oil. Yeah, saute is I not always, but typically like kind of a medium high type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, I one of the hardest for whatever reason one of the hardest things for me to learn when I was learning cooking is is like it's okay for it to take a little longer. You don't have to put it on eight. Like it's okay. <laughs> you're gonna yeah, no. you're gonna burn the fat and then you're gonna cause a big problem. <laughs> So well, I mean, one of the method, like one of the ways I can tell if the oil is ready um is you can have a thermometer. They have a bunch of thermometers that you can measure the heat of the oil. Mm-hmm. Or what I do is that since I used a uh, flour as a part of my batter, I just took some of my dry flour and just kind of put a little bit into the oil to see if it's immediately burning or not. Okay, if it's yeah. burning, if it's too hot, turn off the heat and let it cool down. And then if it's too cold, just turn it up just a little bit more. There's cool. kind of a fine line between having too hot and not hot enough. Yeah, yeah. If it's sure. not hot enough, it will not cook the insides. Yeah, you you can... Yes, especially when we're talking about pan frying, which, like you said, you're going to be using, like, a steak or, like, a, a big piece of meat or something like that. Um, 
if you have it too low, you're going to cook the outsides forever and it's just going to stay pink in the middle. <laughs> so you gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta be careful with that. Um, but yeah, so, so pan frying. Um, so you said you, you usually like use some more oil. Would it still count if you're doing like, um, like a burger where it's like 80%, 20%. So it's like 20% fat. It's kind of going to make a lot of it. It's going to, yeah, it's going to bring out more of the oils from there. Um, with burgers. Yeah. I would say that's more of a, a pan fry, okay. uh, deal mostly because it's going to exude all that extra fat that's within that raw burger. Yeah. Okay. Like it's going to expel itself. Um, but you know, there's, I don't know. There's been like a lot of people. There's so many different things you can do with burgers. You can grill it. You can pan yeah. fry it. You can even throw it in the oven if you wanted to. I saw a. Uh, this is something that might interest you because you were living an ovenless lifestyle for a while. <laughs> um, I saw a like kitchen gadget that was these two, uh, like cast iron sheets that had like grill uh bumps on them i don't know what you call Mm -hmm. those uh and you were supposed to heat these in the microwave then put a burger between these two put it back in the microwave and it was supposed to basically cook your burger in the microwave against cast iron and i was like okay cool that's I guess. a lot of work. I would just go out and get a George Foreman, right. to be honest. Like, that's what I was like. Well, I guess if you only have a microwave, that's neat, but weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I Okay. So while the first two episodes of our podcast started, I was without a stove oven. But what I had was a little electric two-plate heating element Yeah. that I used. Uh, and then on top of that, I also have, you know, your microwave. Um, I have a crock pot. I also, um, got like a Instapot, uh, which is great for rice. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever not use it for rice now. I, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, it's fine. But like that, I don't. That just sounds dangerous, what you just, oh. like, explained to me. Well, also, like, I, I've been taught my whole life, do not put metal in the microwave. So that, that already sounds scary. <laughs> uh, the, the bakery I would at work, um, they, they have this, like, special microwave. And when they needed to, like, melt chocolate. They would just throw it into their metal bowl. Like, I guess it's aluminum, or I think it's aluminum. I don't remember what kind of, like, bowl it was, but it it was metal. It was metal. Regardless. And they would put it into the microwave, and I'd be like, you want me to do what now? Yeah. I'm I'm not a baker. I'm, I'm not. I don't work in any bakeries or anything like that. I went down to help them because they needed a little extra hands. I'm like, all right, well, you give me the instructions and I will do the best to my ability. And when they asked me to melt chocolate, I'm just like, uh, what? <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. Just don't let it touch the sides. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that really nervous too. 
Yeah, I pressed the button to start, and then you immediately just walked away. <laughs> just wasn't me. But, I mean, it worked, and I don't remember what kind of microwave it was. Interesting. But it's definitely, it's, you know, it's one of those restaurant-grade equipment right. things that right. I... Wouldn't recommend that at home. So uh, Right, yeah. So on our stovetop, we've got saute, we've got pan fry, there's stir fry, which is... Um, Sort of pretty similar to saute. You're going to use a little oil. You're going to get it hotter and stir it faster. And you're usually going to do it with little pieces of vegetables so that they they kind of crisp up nice. Um, and then uh, that's kind of, at least to me, are there other uh, methods in a, in a on a stovetop pan? Or is that kind of most of them? I, I can't think of any others. Oh, I mean, there's... So many different things that you can do. Um, there's steaming. <laughs> okay, yeah. So then you're. Um, but that's yeah, that's uh, part of the moist cooking. There's poaching. There's simmering. Um, Boiling, obviously, you get a bit uh, hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, bro- boiling. So I mean, okay. So there's a difference. I don't think a lot of people understand the difference between poaching and um, steaming. Okay, so l- let me give you what I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so steaming, you have a, uh, a pot or, or other like uh, container. You mm-hmm. put a little bit of water in the bottom and then like uh, uh, I have like a steam, uh, a tr- uh, what are they called? Basket where it's like basically a thing, uh, a piece of metal with holes in it and a stand so that you put the the food on top of that so that it doesn't actually touch the water, but the steam can get through. And then you heat it up till it's boiling, put a top on it, and it cooks in the steam. Uh, I don't really know what poaching is at all. <laughs> have you ever had a poached egg? I have. Um, it's tasty, but I don't really know how you get that. Okay. Um... A poached egg is basically when the outer membrane of the egg is cooked and okay. then the yolk in the middle is a knot. So okay. it's runny, right? Right. So with poaching, you want to get your water, uh, a pot of water, and you want to get it around 140 degrees, 180 or so. And not to like a full bubbling, you know boil you want it kind of at a almost a simmer okay so like a slow like you want to see when you look into the pot you want to see maybe just a tiny line of bubbles coming up right okay um if the water is too hot you will overcook the egg immediately or it will like essentially disintegrate okay yeah because the the it'll just It'll just fall apart, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's... Let's see here. What what else can I say about it? You can do more than just, like, eggs with the poaching. People do poultry and fish. Um, yeah, I've poached... Fruit. I've poached like, chicken before, and it, and it, it came out really, like, moist and, and good, but it was a little trickier than just sort of frying it or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's a it's a different method that is not 
used too often. I see a lot of it used for like desserts when like doing fruits, um, making jams and jellies and stuff like that, or syrups. Um, that's a big, uh, more common way of poaching. Also, I just, eggs. <laughs> I just realized I have done poached. Uh, uh, pears as a dessert, but I did it in a crock pot. I'd still same thing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't still same thing, regardless of what like um tool you use. Yeah. So it's just uh, basically submerging your food in a um slow boil liquid. Okay. And it doesn't have to be like water. It can be wine. It can be broth. Yeah. Cool. Um, but it's it's a slower method of cooking yeah. to make it softer, but not like fully cooked. Interesting. Cool. Uh, well, mind you, the poultry does have to be fully cooked. Yes, please don't undercook your your chicken. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, so I think we kind of covered the stovetop. I'm sure there's other things that we maybe can go back to later, but those are some of the the basics. Uh, so let's talk about the oven. Um, okay. So, you've so got, go ahead. Uh, the oven is basically where the third method comes in the combining. Okay. Um, combined cooking. So, do you know of a combined cooking method? Not really. <laughs> okay. So, this is where braising comes in. Okay. So. Braising is when you are, let's say if you want to do like braised beef, okay? You take your raw beef, you want to sear it and get those, get the sugars out of it. You want that, that malar effect, having all that, the browning, and it also helps tenderize it. And all those muscle fibers will eventually break off. Okay. So after you sear it, you want to then maybe deglaze it. Do you know what deglazing means? I don't. I've again. This is a word. You I might just... have already done it. Yeah. So it's all. This is all just terminology. Yeah. So after you take your like uh, piece of meat off of the pan, you have all that brown that's left over from the malar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, deglazing. Like I like to use red wine. Okay. And you put like a good amount of red wine into your pan and you cook it and then you take your spatula or a utensil spoon and you try and take that brown off of it with it. Because all that brown is sugars and flavor that you got from your original meat. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. Mm hmm. After you deglaze. You basically put your protein, your vegetables, all into a pot, and then add more liquid to it. Add that wine that you had like deglazed the pan with, and you're gonna have like full so much flavor. Cool. A lot of this is how you create a stock and a broth. Yeah, so this is how um, is well. I could be wrong. Is braising technically <laughs> what you're doing with like a turkey? Like for for Thanksgiving, you're since you're cooking. Uh, that is a way you can do with okay. Thanksgiving. Like there, people fry their turkeys, sure. people grill their turkeys, 
people smoke. Uh, braising is another method that you can absolutely do. Uh, but typically, you're basting. Okay, that's when you. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. So that's when you have like a big piece of meat in the oven, but you're continually taking the juices that it's shedding and like putting it back on there. Yeah, okay. braising is when you're cooking the uh, protein in a um, simmering water. Okay, gotcha. My mistake. So you can actually you can cook it on the stovetop, or you can even have it in like a large deep pan and throw it in the oven. Okay. As long as it's covered, you know? Cool. And then you just kind of let it stew. Cool. All right. Mm-hmm. So, it's... so that's where, so you can do a lot of the, the combined method in the oven. Uh, mm-hmm. That's cool. You've also just got your, so if you have a, an oven and, and aren't sure, uh, there's your kind of traditional oven, um, which heats from the element at the bottom. Uh, and then there's convection, which has fans in it, which uh, moves it around so you can have more even cooking. Um, and that can definitely change, like, how your your cooking goes in your oven. And it's something you should probably figure out uh, when you're when you're trying to do different stuff. Because it's especially a, uh, like, a traditional um, oven, if you have your... Um, your food on the bottom rack, it's going to cook way different than if it's on the top, uh, which is something I learned the hard way a couple times <laughs> where I was trying to cook like two pans of, of something and, and one stacked on top of the other and screwed it up real bad. Uh, but then uh, you've also, most ovens have a broiler, um, mm-hmm. which, which is a, another a separate heating element on top. Uh, that gets very, very hot, very fast. Um, and I didn't really realize this, but it makes sense. Um, we were talking earlier about uh, dry cooking methods like grilling. Um, I guess technically broiling is a type of grilling. You are putting direct radiant heat uh, right onto the food um, and trying to get kind of a char on there. Um you're you are basically browning yeah yeah uh without having to have like any kind of grill marks necessarily right 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 Which... so like when people maybe want to finish their turkey but your turkey doesn't have any color they might turn on the broiler just to give it that like slight golden right look yeah or when you're making like a um like a souffle or, or not a souffle, a, uh, uh, oh crap. Casserole. And you put like, uh, like crumbs on top of it or something and you want it to look, look brown and nice. You use that broiler or cheese, uh, like a cheese based dish. Wanna in, um, more, oh, in, in some traditional restaurant kitchens, there is a, piece of equipment that hangs from uh the hood vent um and it's called a a salamander okay as essentially a a a broiler for for us because our uh like i said most restaurants uses a uh a gas right okay so that is 
so there are salamanders that are uh, gas also, but it's not always like a two on one. That's cool. And I, I think boy is not friendly for short people like me. Oh no. Because <laughs> it's, it's really hard and it's almost always out of my reach. So oh, uh, I when think... I was in culinary school, we had to um, come up with like a dish. Like it was kind of like one of those quick, like little challenge dishes. And um, one of them, I needed a, a broiler and we had salamander. I'm only five, 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 six in, in shoes. Okay. <laughs> so the salamander was, you know, a good like five inches above me. So I can put my stuff in there, but like I have to like try and take it out. And I, at oh, one point, it's just like I can't just keep taking my food out just to check it. Like it's going to like lose its luster if right. you keep. Yeah. Taking it in and out of the heat. So I had to go and grab a milk crate and stand on top oh. of it. And my teacher's just like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm short. I Leave me alone. <laughs> I, I, found, uh, I found out recently. Um, and now I'm thinking we maybe talked about this last time, but I can't remember that uh, the salamander is is what a lot of Mexican restaurants, like, finish their food with, which is why the plate is so hot? Uh, not necessarily. No. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> um, now, uh, it, it's not necessarily Mexican food. Uh, my Italian kitchen that I worked okay. in years ago had one as well. Um, it, so when a plate is super-duper hot... Mm-hmm. Um, generally they, they keep their plates in a warmer. Okay. Or they've been sitting under a heat lamp. That's what I was For thinking. a long time. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> this is why I have you <laughs> to correct me on my own bullshit. So, in some kitchens, there's a expediting table, and there's typically two expediters. Uh, expediter is somebody that basically... gets one food ready on the back line where all the chefs and all the cooks are. Mm -hmm. And then there's an expediter in front that distributes the dish to the proper, like, wait staff. So that nothing gets, like, you know, taken or, you know, all the order is done in, like, order. You know, there's a certain timeline of when the food will be done and... Instead of, like, people just grabbing whatever they see, this is your designated dish. This goes to your table. So, in between, I've worked in many kitchens where they have these heating elements to help preserve the warm, like, keep the food warm while they are waiting for the next person to come and grab it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That being said, if it waits too long, that's when you hear the term, the food is dying in the window. Okay. People are taking too long to come and get your stuff. Thus, the war between front of the house and back of the house happens. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, interesting. Cool. So, so that's, uh, 
I'm trying to think of anything else to cover on the oven. I think that's probably most of what I wanted to say. Did you, was there anything else you wanted to mention? About, I mean, uh, uh, baking like um, pastry and, and bread-based dishes is obviously mostly done in the oven. Um, that's There are some that you can do, like, you know, there's steam buns mm-hmm, that's also true. that you can do on top of the stove. Yeah. Um, I work with this absolutely amazing, like, uh, Filipino woman that makes some of the best bao buns ever, and I love it. I love steam buns so much. Oh my goodness. <laughs> They're so good. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, okay, cool. And then, um... We kind of talked about the grill already, but your grill is your your when you so so when you say grill, this is something that I found interesting, which is that some people, when they hear the word grill, think of the method. Some people think of like a device, a grill that sits out in your yard. Um, but grilling is that dry, direct, radiant heat that we talked about. Um, a lot of times when you're wanting to grill something, you're going for a, a, like a char or browning. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I get, I looked up, I guess uh, the, there's a thing called the Maillard reaction. Do you know what? Yep. Is that, did I say it right? Mallard. Mallard. Yeah. Okay. Mallard. Uh, it is the caramelization of sugars on your, um, Typically on proteins, but you can get it on vegetables as well. It's the it's the browning. Yeah, and it's a chemical process that that makes that distinctive like roast roasted flavor and and aroma and stuff. And it happens at uh, I guess three three hundred and ten or three hundred Fahrenheit around there. Um, and uh, so that's what you you see your grill marks um, and makes it taste taste that way. Um, well, it's, it's not just on grilling. You get it in your sautéing yeah. okay. as well. So it, it's it's all around. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the grill marks are it's just a distinct style of cooking, mostly because you can see, like, the marks that you see that's on there. Right. And with grilling, you are definitely using much higher temperatures. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Very, very hot. Uh, um, and, you know, that's... You can also do a smoking method, which is uh, you can still throw it onto like the grill and have it uh, as low as you can get it, and that's how you know you get like a lot of these amazing like barbecues and whatnot, like pulled pork and stuff like that. So smoking is pulled pork is actually a uh, braising. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Fair. So, so smoking. A smoker, when you talk about the device, a smoker, it mm-hmm. is is that also dry radiant heat? It's just much lower temperature for longer or? Yes. Okay. Um, now, there are smoke guns that you can essentially cheat and actually speed up the process. But a if you were to do a... smoke gun sounds very terrifying to me. <laughs> <laughs> um. So a smoke gun is just like I'm trying to think of a way to say it more PC. <laughs> oh geez, okay. Uh, okay, so it. God, um, okay. So a smoke gun is basically you have this like little bowl on top and it has a mesh setting that you put like your uh, wood chips in. 
Um, and you can use all different kinds of wood chips. It like, uh, there's every like, be surprised, but wood chips actually have distinctive flavors. Applewood and cherry wood taste very different. Some people use pine because they want that like piney taste to it. Either way. Uh, so you put these wood chips into the top where the mesh is so it catches like any like coals that it would form. You light it on fire and then it breathe like there's like a little I think an engine inside right underneath where it pulls that smoke through a tube and then if you have like a closed container mm. You feed that smoke into this closed container where your food is, and then you let it sit for a good bit. Okay. And that's like, it gives a a slight smoky taste. Now, if you were to do it on a grill, um, if you have like a charcoal grill, which honestly I think is the best way to use it, but I also have a gas, so there is a way to using gas as well. But with the charcoal, you want to mix your charcoal with some of your wood chips. What I like to do is soak those wood chips so they don't burn immediately. Soak those wood chips in water, or I use a combination of water and juice, because then you get that sweetness, you get more flavor. Okay. (laughs) And then you get your coal, you marry it with your wood chips, and then try and keep it at like a low heat. And it'll create the smoke, the the wood burning smokiness. Yeah. Um. There are smokers out there specifically designed to just do that. But if you have like a Weber grill, like a little, you know, twenty two inch, there where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. The, I'm sure you've seen big green eggs before. Uh, you might not know what they are, but uh, I'm sure you've seen one of those. It's just this big green spherical <laughs> thing those are specifically to smoke my dad has a smoker he loves it. it it tastes really good i will say um i don't know if it is just negligence or that the specific method of cooking uh can be dangerous but there is a chain of restaurants in charleston that i love very much and i'm going to get a shout out to which is swig and swine they make great barbecue They've there's three of them and all of them have caught on fire at least once. Some of them have caught on fire multiple <laughs> times, uh, and it always comes from their smoker. So I don't. <laughs> it's just I I guess the description you were giving makes sense. There's a lot of fire and smoke involved. That that just something you be careful basically if you're going to be smoking stuff. Yeah, I mean it's something you shouldn't have to babysit like you shouldn't have to be there like constantly but at the same time like one of the reasons why they may have caught on fire was that their element was too hot right and you know if you're not careful also you can start a grease fire which is never a good thing no um i know that one (laughs) it's bad don't do it yeah (laughs) um you know how to put out a grease fire uh, don't use water. Yeah, you need a specific. So I keep now a, uh, a fire extinguisher that is rated for kitchen fires in my kitchen because I know we talked about it, but I uh, I tried to pan fry a steak with the wrong kind of oil and I made a big fire. <laughs> and uh, and more recently, did I tell you about my bacon incident? I can't remember. Um, um. 
where it didn't it splatter? No, uh, some I was cooking some bacon in a um, in a toaster oven, and too uh, too much of the fat had fallen on the bottom where the ele- heating element was, and I got a little fire in my <laughs> in my toaster oven also. <laughs> So, yeah, grease fires, don't use water. It'll make it worse. Uh, You can also use salt. You can also use um, baking powder or baking soda. So you're just trying to smother it as opposed to, like, douse it, yeah. Exactly. Um, So if you have baking, like, Arm & Hammer baking powder, that stuff works. Cool. Good to know. Um, mm Mm-hmm. Um, so then the last kind of methods, set of methods I wanted to talk about, and we did talk about it a little bit, but your kind of slow cooking methods, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to say a thing I think I know, and then you tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Most slow cooking methods are going to involve liquid. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so if you have a, a, a crock pot or a slow cooker or any type of vessel like that, those are all, um, uh, going to be used to slow cook. Uh, crock pot is a brand, but a lot of people say crock pot when they're just talking about a standing slow cooking device. Yeah. A Um, slow cooker crock pot. It's all within the realm of the same element. Yeah. And you're going to cook stuff usually meat though you, i guess you can do other things in a liquid at a low temperature for a long period of time mm-hmm. um it's good for uh meats that have a lot of connective tissue and like lean muscle fiber you talked about earlier it kind of breaks those down um mm-hmm. and makes uh like tastier uh you know good for stew meat or, or pulled uh i guess that is bra- is that braising then yeah, technically okay. it's a it's a braising method. Okay. Um, one of my favorite things that I miss so much is um, pulled pork. Yeah. Like Carolina barbecue sandwiches and stuff like that. It's so good. Um, as a reminder, uh, I currently live in Florida, and Zach is in South Carolina. Yeah. So I am missing some things from home, and we're both from North Carolina, so... Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the biggest things have been like my Carolina barbecue. Yeah, we have it here, um, and it's still good, uh, but it's not as prevalent, I would say, as North Carolina. That's definitely sort of the hub of that style of pulled pork and vinegar-based uh, uh, barbecue mm-hmm. sauce. Um, but, but yeah, the slow the pressure cooker is, or sorry, not the pressure cooker. That I got ahead of myself a little bit. The slow cooker is definitely how I make that at home with the pulled pork. And uh, you just cook it for like, you know, eight hours on low. And in uh, in liquid, uh, you want to look up your, your recipe. I usually use like a um, a root beer-based thing, which I, I don't remember where I learned, but it's really good. <laughs> uh, I, I do the traditional cherry soda. Cheerwine is a uh, North Carolina... Yeah. Uh, native soda. Um, and, and it's cherry. Unfortunately, yeah. as many times that people have told me that, oh, cherry wine's down here in Florida. It's like, you lie. I don't see it. <laughs> Not at the I don't believe you. Store, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. 
so I ended up like supplementing and using the IBC cherry soda. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That which good that wasn't bad. I mean, I still like rather have my cheer wine because I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, yeah. There's a bunch of different recipes for um just cherry barbecue sauce or not cherry, but um soda barbecue sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that has definitely been catching a lot of people's eyes I and the best part of sweetness is nice yeah it, it barbecue sauce typically has like molasses and brown sugars in it and the soda basically has all that already right. yeah. <laughs> plus the added like spices i i will have to try that um root beer barbecue sauce that it's, sounds amazing it's really good i really like it um so yeah, the crock pot and then slow cooker can 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 do that for sure. You can also do uh, like pulled chicken that way. Um, anything where you really want to make the meat really tender uh, is is going to be good for that. I've done, like I said, I've braised uh, fruit in there for desserts. Um, mm-hmm. I can't really recall ever doing vegetables with it. You can do like harder root vegetables okay people have done that like for stews that makes sense um carrots like braised carrots one of the things that we had to learn how to braise was braised celery Mm -hmm. it's not my favorite thing in the world to (laughs) eat (laughs) but it is a thing celery is very divisive i've found so uh, so with celery, the one of the main things they wanted to teach us is that because celery has so much fibers, mm-hmm. yeah, they wanted it to be soft so that like when you bite into it, you're not biting through all those fibers, which is that stringy, you know, things. So, like when you snap it in half, it doesn't snap completely like clean cut. You see, yeah. If you've ever just chewed on raw celery, you definitely know what we're talking about. It doesn't yeah. work super well. Yeah, and which like you know, a lot of people don't like broccoli, uh, not broccoli, but um, celery, kind of for that reason. Yeah. Also, it has like not a lot of flavor, which is why it's also put in juices. It's yeah. it's a water based plant. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we had to learn how to braise it and just kind of like soften those fibers where it wasn't as like aggressive. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, but like other roots vegetables like beets. Beets is another thing that people braise. I love beets. Um, we do braise beets at work and we use like the golden beets and the red beets and it really it brings out the color and then you can save that liquid and like use it as tie-dye like that's how much of red beet stains i was gonna say i love beets i don't love what cooking with beets does to my kitchen for the next couple days (laughs) but yeah yeah (laughs) but Um, like beet juice you can use it for like shakes smoothies sounds good Uh, um People use it for as a natural food coloring for like baking. Um, for those that are super against like artificial dyes, like color dyes and whatnot. Yeah. So it's the 
a friendlier version of it. Cool. But I mean, as usual, it takes work. Right. Cool. So yeah, then then I did I let it slip a little bit, but you've also got a pressure pressure cookers, which are interesting because so when you're cooking with a regular slow cooker, you're cooking in that liquid for a long time at a low temperature. Um, the one of the reasons for that is because if you heat the liquid up too much, it boils and it turns to gas. Um, a pressure cooker keeps it under pressure so that the liquid stays liquid at higher temperatures um, and therefore sort of lets you achieve the same slow cooking uh, uh, sort of results uh, at like much faster. Um, I have a pressure cooker uh, like a, if you've got like a one pot or, or something like that. Um, that'll do it for you. And, uh, I love that thing, but it definitely, I know people, some people are scared of them because you're pressurizing a small vessel in your house and that can be a little (laughs) dangerous. They have lots of safeguards built into them now. Um, but yeah, they're, they're basically doing the same thing, uh, just faster. So if, if you're, uh, not worried about that, then always stick into the regular slow cooker works. Have you ever used a pressure cooker much? Um, um, Instapot thingy. Yeah, Instapot. So it's, it's not like an actual Instapot. It's like a cousin of it, uh-huh. like a different brand name. Um, and I actually try, I, I used it for um, pulled pork. Nice. And it came out pretty well. I was actually pretty impressed because typically, you know, I would use my um, slow cooker, my crock pot to do that. And like this was at like, I don't know, four o'clock in the afternoon. It's like, well, I'm not going to bust out that. Let's try the Instapot. <laughs> yeah. It works pretty And well. it took, yeah, it took like less than half the time for it to be done. And it also depends on how big your protein or vegetables that you're doing. Um, I love using it for rice. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of using a stovetop, uh, I don't use the um, minute rice or anything like that. I use just, you know, regular rice, um, jasmine rice. And it works really well. All you have to do is measure your ingredients out, put it in, set the timer and then it will just give you that little warning i do understand how it is kind of alarming because i was not used to using it at home right so (laughs) you release the pressure and it shoots steam out into the air it's a little alarming yeah oh yeah no my cat hates it (laughs) uh oh yes yes um that there is a little bit of it's a little fiddlier because if you don't have the right amount of liquid in there, it won't come to pressure. Um, so you have to be careful with that. Um, my uh, Adrian, my wife, just yelled from the other room to remind me that uh, don't overload your pressure cooker because yeah. one time she did that and I was in uh, I was. On trip, uh, I was on um, on travel, and she texted me and was like, "I cannot open the top of the pressure cooker." <laughs> <laughs> I 
because it'll get it comes when it comes to pressure you cannot take that top off it just won't come off uh and, and so you just got to be careful with that stuff um adrian is now telling me it was not overloaded she just did not wait long enough to remove the lid so there you go mm. Yeah, that's also a thing. It's like it's one of those things that like just because you unpressurized it does not necessarily mean it's like there's still a suction in there. Yeah. So they're fun though. Um and then yeah, I think that's kind of I'm again sure there's a million other cooking methods we didn't go over, but I feel like we covered a lot of the ones that you're gonna see in a yeah. normal If anything, we covered the basics. Yeah. And uh, if you have any like questions or like comments uh you can always contact us yeah, shoot like, over to the anytime. surviving culinary and facebook group and we'll 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 give you an answer mm-hmm. or i actually um proud to announce we officially have a web page yeah. um with a email uh address as well and this is like kind of the big hub where you can find all of our podcasts episodes where you can find the instagram and the facebook page it's yeah. all right there lots of ways to reach us and ask questions and stuff like that mm-hmm. in one direct space which is the surviving culinarian.com cool so uh we didn't one of the things that we have had trouble uh scheduling and the reason we haven't done with these in a while is it's hard to for us to both find a frozen meal that we can both find so that we can review it but I went out and got one, uh, so I'll talk about that a little bit. So uh, I'm not a nutritionist at all, and I'm not ever going to claim to be one, but since last time we did this, um, me and my wife have been trying a low-carb slash keto diet. Um, I can explain it real quick, but not try to... I'm not going to try to like push it on anybody, but basically low-carb, no-carb if uh, when you're first starting... Um, if you do want to try that, please seek out like guidance because if you do it wrong, it's not good. (laughs) (laughs) Just like any diet, um, be careful when you're, when you're trying that stuff. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because it means a lot of the stuff that I like to eat, uh, has carbs in it. So I've had to be switching to substitute type things. Um, depending on what it is, there's different substitutes for pizza you know, you can have a, gar- uh, a cauliflower crust pizza. Those are pretty good. We've made a couple of those. Um, bread and, and pasta are kind of the, the two big ones that it's been hard to replace. Um, so the the one thing, and, and Geneva knows this, one of my favorite foods in the whole world is macaroni and cheese. I love it so much. And as far as I can tell, there's not really a keto-friendly noodle replacement. It, it just doesn't exist. So one of the things that people have, have done instead is a uh, cauliflower, quote-unquote, mac and cheese bowl. Um, so basically the idea being uh, kind of chunked up cauliflower um, with uh, cheddar cheese and then... Uh, you can do breadcrumbs, which is not very going to be very many carbs, just as crumbs on top uh, to give it that nice crispy top. And uh, I've made it home a couple times. It's good. It's not the same, but it's still good. 
give you a lot of that. I mean, you are the connoisseur of macaroni and cheese. I love macaroni so and cheese. So a lot, a lot of things are not going to necessarily add up, but if it's going to be a decent substitute, like, guys, I don't think you understand his obsession with macaroni and cheese. It <laughs> I, In college, it was kind of dangerous. So like, his closet had boxes of it. <laughs> like, what you guys every time you went home to see your parents i think you always had like entire trunk full because of yes. like going to costco or we, so when we went to <laughs> we when we went to school the town we were in was small enough that it didn't really have like a costco or anything like that so i would go home and my parents had a costco membership and they'd get me a 40 box package of craft macaroni and cheese and i'd bring it back up with me and i Homemade macaroni and cheese is like, it's one of those things that is a little silly because the idea of mac and cheese is it's sort of like a, and I don't use this term as derogatory, but like a peasant food. It's cheap and it's easy. Um, But when I make homemade mac and cheese, I use like 10 different kinds of expensive cheese and it always ends up, it's delicious, but it's a quote unquote simple food that I spent way too much money on. So I didn't do it that much even before I switched over. But now that I have, I do the, the cauliflower and it's, it's good. It's not quite the same. But uh, today I tried, uh, there is a brand called the Tattooed Chef, which is a, uh, a frozen meal company that specializes in um, specifically plant-based uh uh, foods, plant-based uh, frozen foods. Um, they they really pride themselves on uh, like uh, freshly frozen food. So make sure that it's it's as fresh as possible when they freeze it, so that when you heat it up in your in your uh, microwave, it's it's nice and, and crispy. And um, uh, they've got a bunch of stuff. It, it, they are mostly focused on being vegetarian. Um, and, uh, I have only had this so far, but I saw like, uh, Mexican style street corn with like cotija cheese. (laughs) Cochita. Okay. Well, I can't say it. Um, they have uh, (laughs) like organic greens bowls and, and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, they, they, it's a cool little, um, uh, a company that has a, a a fair amount of stuff that they're. Uh, I also when I was looking them up earlier, I found out they merged with uh, Beyond Burger like yesterday. Oh <laughs> it wow! Just happened, so that's cool too. Um, now I have I got a question for you? Have I tried one? Uh yeah. Well, I I've, I'm curious if you've tried the Beyond or the um. The other competitor. What's the other one? Because I think I tr- have not tried Beyond, uh, but I tried... Let me look it up real quick. Uh, Beyond Burger. <laughs> I haven't tried the Beyond. I tried another plant-based burger that I thought was pretty good. Um, have you had them? Yes, I have. Uh, we actually use them a little bit at work as our... Um, plant-based meats. Um, what is the other one called? Impossible. Impossible. There we go. The Impossible Burger. Um, there are actually some chains. I believe Burger King. Yeah, Burger King has them now. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
And that's wonderful. But like you have to be careful if you guys are thinking about starting any kind of food trucks or restaurants is to be careful what you grill or use the meat on. Don't use the same pan that you just did a regular beef burger. Yeah. Because you can still make people very sick because of those meat juices that their body is not acclimated to. Right. That's something I think a lot of people who don't know very many vegetarians or vegans might not know is that if you don't eat animal protein for a long time, it's not that you're allergic, but your body isn't used to it anymore. So you really have to be careful when you're doing that. Uh, Uh, Burger King got in, I believe it was Burger King that got in trouble for doing that. Yeah. Using the same grill to use their veg vegetarian. Yeah. Uh, fake meat. Um, um, but it, anyways, I, I just curious if you tried the impossible or. Yeah. I thought it was good. I was, did you like it? I, I, I do. We actually like, we make like a meatloaf. Okay. Oh my goodness. And it's so good. Like it, I think it was the impossible. Okay. That we use, uh, um, as a meatloaf and like it looks it has the texture um, and the thing is they use beets to give it that that meaty look so that when you bite into it it kind of has it oozes that red and that's from the beets nice that sounds good oh my god it's so good yeah, it's so good and I... like I'm Definitely not a vegetarian. I do like my meats and proteins and whatnot, but like I have absolutely nothing against this this meat, like faux meat, <laughs> yeah, if you great. will. The thing I was surprised by, and actually this is something that sort of ties into the keto uh, thing I've been trying, is um, it, it's you'd be like, oh, a plant based burger. Well, it must uh, it must like have very little fat and almost no like calories, right? Incorrect. <laughs> uh, the the plant based burgers still have a, a lot of calories, a lot of fat. Um, they kind of have to to work as a burger. Um, so I would. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of their proteins are coming from like the lagoons. Right. Like lagoons are pure protein, yeah. right there. Uh, you get protein from peas. Like a lot of vegetables actually have your essential nutrition yeah. that you um, get from meat. But they're. Vi- I really enjoyed them. I just remember eating it and then looking at the nutrition value and being like, "Oh, so definitely don't just eat like four of these. Like there's some <laughs> kind of you know uh, weird like." Uh, calorie-free version of a burger. They're not. But I do like them a lot. So so this uh, specific thing I tried, the uh, Tattooed Chef Cauliflower Mac and Cheese Bowl, um, I appreciate, first of all, that it says right on the front, contains no pasta, to make sure that you're not like, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> um, but uh, it's really good. It's uh, It's got regular or real um, cheddar cheese, uh, milk, cheese cultures, uh, salt enzymes, your real uh, cheddar cheese, breadcrumbs, uh, onions, and then garlic. And that's it, it, it's salt, pepper. It has very little like um, uh, additives in it. Um, it's it's pretty much what you would make at home and then frozen. Um, 
And uh, it, it, to me, honestly, just pretty much tasted like a homemade cauliflower macaroni, macaroni and cheese. And um, I, I do want to clarify, that's what the dish is called. There is no macaroni in it. <laughs> it's just because it's made to sort of emulate that. Um, but it, it's good. It, the thing that I run into with a lot of these types of things where it's like a specialty gluten-free or uh, vegan or, or things like that is that it was uh, – it's 380 calories. Um, it's, you know, uh, probably good for like a light lunch, but it's not a ton of food, and it was like 450 as opposed to like a lean cuisine, which would be probably the same amount and like two bucks. Um, I was going to ask like what the portion size was. Yeah, it, it was enough for like maybe a light lunch or, or something like that, but it's, it's not a ton of food. Um, and uh, that's just something, and, and it's a little more expensive. I think it's comparable to like an Amy's or something like that, where it's, you're paying a little bit of a premium. Um, uh, would this be at like your standard grocery store or did you get this from so really yeah they had a little section of the tattooed chef stuff um and uh they had it next they had it in their section like near the um morningstar farms and and other alternatives um but they did have it and uh i mean i'm not talking too much about the food because it was you know that it tasted like cauliflower that you put macaroni and cheese and breadcrumbs on is good (laughs) (laughs) um but i just think it's a it's cool that uh, it's cool that we continue to have more options in frozen meals because a lot of people don't can't cook don't have the equipment um or the time and and are still trying to eat better um so it's it's a cool alternative if you're interested in trying uh some some like plant based alternatives. I'd I'd recommend it. It's cool. Uh, very good. Three quarters of a cup vegetables. It says eighteen grams protein, uh, and then you know you got your cheese. Uh, it's tasty. But uh, I think that's pretty much it. Um, I didn't really want to uh, push the keto thing too much but it's been interesting trying to adapt my diet around something that's so central to a lot of people's foods which is you know carbs uh bread um noodles stuff like that uh, rice uh and it's tough and that said it's been leading me to try a lot of foods that i wouldn't have tried otherwise which is always exciting um, and, but, but, uh, sometimes for instance, on my birthday, a couple, couple weeks ago, I order a deep dish pizza and say, fuck it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, is there anything else you wanted to talk about Geneva? Uh, I actually, I think we, we covered a pretty decent chunk, um, cool. as our miraculous return Yay. to the podcasting world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we will, as always, we're always taking requests and questions. Yeah, um, please do check out uh, the Surviving Culinarian. Is it? Is, it's not the, right? Surviving No, it, it's the. 
thesurvivingculinarian.com. Yep. Thank you. Uh, yep, the whole thing. And, and check us out, and, and you can reach us there on our Facebook uh, group and send us. Mm-hmm. If there's anything you want to hear us talk about, uh, send it in, and we will we will talk about it. Um, and I'm excited to be doing this again with you. I know. It's like between the craziness of like one working and the other not, and then uh, the outside world of, you know, that yeah. craziness. I guess the other thing I'll say is uh, everybody, please be safe. <laughs> yes. Uh, definitely the disclaimer of, hey, <laughs> Like, there's still madness going on, and even though this is our third episode, and, like, as you said earlier, we are deep into quarantine, still, um, the world has been very hectic and crazy, and uh, a lot of things are happening um, just this year, just this year, from the very start of 2020, is just been a snowball effect of craziness. Um, a lot of people have compared it to a Jumanji game, which they are not wrong. <laughs> we accidentally opened that box, huh? Uh, uh, Pandora is definitely going to try and kick our ass, that's for sure. But it, um, it's nice to be able to talk with you about something that's a little, a little simpler and lower stakes. <laughs> yes. Uh, one thing I do want to say is that um, from my end here, I am working on trying to create a common platform for everybody to like be able to reach out. Because right now, even though a lot of us are trying to stay home and, you know, be good and not get sick, especially those that have a compromised immune systems and can't go out, you know... I have been trying to grow vegetables and uh, flowers, and one, it helps you mentally, which is something I would like in future episodes to really get down to, is like the mental health of even culinarians, because that's something that we all have a common ground on, is that it's not an easy job being a culinarian. It's not an easy job being a cook and a chef. Or anything within the food business. Yeah, and especially right now. with the world happening today, um, even though restaurants are opening slowly, we still have to be extremely careful because we are one of those people that are on the front lines of this uh, pandemic. Is that what yep, we're calling it? That's right. Okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, of course, treat each other with respect, um, whether if you agree with the face mask or not. I simply agree with the face mask. <laughs> be be <laughs> respectful of other people. If, if you want to yes. go out without it, then when you want to walk, whatever. But if you're going to be around other people, uh, you know, treat them with respect and, and, and be careful. I like that. We, we don't want anything to get worse than it already has please um that that being said you know be good to each other um i don't want to touch on the politics 
because that's not what this podcast is for. <laughs> but And I want to make that very clear that um, if anybody has questions about politics, um, I will respectfully decline uh, any response to that <laughs> because this is about food. This is about surviving with food. Um, and this is a, a almost like an escape haven yeah. for like those that are trying to learn without going out um, and being exposed. So that that okay. I'm off my soapbox no, now. <laughs> but yeah, like like you said, everybody treat each other with respect, especially during a difficult time. So um, yeah. That said, I think we're going to be wrapping up for today. Uh, but come back next week and uh, send us your questions and and ideas for topics, and we'll talk about those next time. Uh, so All right, guys. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.